God cannot fully give you new doors and you still got this other one open. Like you cannot say this is what you're going to do and you still got something open. You know, you can't fully like walk in faith with like half on the line, Uh you know, you just need to do it. I'm Ashley White, the host of Joy on the Journey podcast, a weekly podcast all about defining, finding, and maintaining joy on the journey of life. Every week, I have the honor, the privilege, the complete joy of speaking to women about their joy journey. And y'all, this interview has been one of the most requested interviews and guests. I am so privileged to have the opportunity to know uh, Jarima Gorham. So, so privileged. In fact, our friendship goes all the way back to, oh my God, 1998, 99 um, in Chicago, Illinois. But the way she is transforming Chicago today, and this is just the beginning of her journey, y'all stay tuned. But let me tell you a little bit more about Jarima. She is the founder and executive director of Burst Into Books. Burst Into Books helps Chicago youth deepen their love of reading by integrating the arts and providing engaging opportunities with the literary field. She also specifically creates the space for creative expression. She is also a 501c3 consultant and strategic coach. Y'all, please join me in welcoming Jerima to the podcast. Hey, hello, <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> I am so excited. I was sharing with Jerima before my mama is her oh, one of her biggest fans biggest next fan. to her mama is my mama and so when i told her that we had got you booked for it today she was like okay these are the questions you need to ask her okay so, my mother <laughs> is the producer of this episode and i'm so excited we start every single episode with a section on defining joy so Jarima, mm-hmm. as a creative person, as a as a writer and a lover of words, I am intrigued to know how do you define joy? That's such a uh, like deep and short question, right? I think right away that came to mind is whatever makes my heart jump, mm-hmm. right? What are the things that puts like the butterflies in my stomach? What allows me to smile without prompting, right? I think that joy is an internal thing. It's not something that, um, I think we could create joyful moments, but I think like the feeling of joy itself is something I can have whether I'm with someone or not. Right. And so I think that joy really is about feeling full, feeling full in Mm -hmm. your heart, just feeling like, wow, this is, this is peace. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what joy means to me. Oh, that's good. Feeling full. Have you always had this definition that joy is feeling full, whether in the moment, in the season, in the presence of others, or even by yourself? No, you know, I think that as many things, like so much of me has evolved over the years. And I think eventually eventually you realize that joy is something that comes from God alone. But I think before then, as a child, you know, there's things that make you happy or things that give you, you know, 
laughter. And so it's like, oh, when we go do this thing, it makes me happy. Like, that's joy. Or, you know, when, when I'm with my cousins, that's joy. You know, when I, you know, my favorite dessert is ice cream all seasons. <laughs> and that gives me joy, right? But I think that those are moments and conditional times of joy. And so it's about like, how do you really find joy in pain? How do mm. you find joy when everything says, why are you smiling? Right. Or <laughs> why is this something that you feel hopeful about? And so um, I didn't come to that realization about what joy is until my teen years, because that's when I started really building and deepening my relationship with God. And I'm super grateful for my oldest brother because he was one of the people that encouraged me to, even at my at that young age, to just be involved in church and to, you know, my whole life I went to Catholic schools and primarily because my parents felt it was a safe environment to learn in, not because we're Catholic, but I know you ain't gonna be in no fights there, you know, all those different things. And so I went to Catholic school all the way up to seventh grade, but it was for that purpose, like, you know for just the moral and the culture and just the the relief that my family felt because we grew up in Auburn Gresham. And so we had mm-hmm. a lot of that were in schools where my parents very much so were like invested in me and my brother being in a safe space. And so without them knowing that was my introdu- an introduction to God because we had mass and we had religion class and, you know, prayer and our fathers and all that. So I got to understand conceptually who God was, mm. but it was not until my teen years that my brother, he started being very active in, in church and he took me to like a teen ministry. And I didn't go there with the, you know, expectation of finding a relationship with God, but that's what happened, you know? And I believe that through me better understanding just like how God's word is truly not just the storybook or just this, you know, because I knew the stories. I knew the people because we had the, we had classes on it. Right. It was about having a relationship with it. And then that's when you're able to see examples of the stories in the Bible where people found joy through pain. Right. And then you start having those real life examples happen in your own life. And you're like, oh, that's how they were able to apply this. Right. Or, oh, that's why, you know, they were able to see beyond what, what was in front of them. And so. I think then just over the years, so many things have happened in my life that have tested that and who and that has called me back to it. Cause there's been mm-hmm. times where God was not my joy, right? And I realized that that was a, a very unwise decision to look for joy in other spaces. And then I come mm-hmm. back to that, right? So I would say now I just turned 40 and uh You're welcome, the best decade. <laughs> look now, I'm I'm realizing it too, right? <laughs> but I just say that because I believe that each decade has its lessons and, and learning. And I think that I'm at a place now where there are some, th- some things that are just proven and true. Mm. <laughs> and the proven and truth is that God is unconditional and he's unchanging and he is amazing. And he is truly the only source of joy. So I've been able to test it in many circumstances and it brings me back to the same space. So, um, so yeah, I didn't know it. I think I knew it conceptually, and now I know it as actually a part of my DNA of like what mm. I truly, truly believe. You know. Oh, that's good. As a part of your DNA, it's not just the words on the screen or participating, but no, this is a part of me. I am a part of him, and I understand that apart from him, none of this <laughs> is possible. 
none of it and it can be here and leave just in the same day so <laughs> oh, yeah. that's so so good um i want to dip down into your journey but before we do that i want to challenge everyone that is watching or listening have you subscribed to the channel have you given a rating to make sure that more people can discover our channel and discover these great interviews and joy journey. So it's free. Just go ahead and click the button, subscribe to the channel so you can be notified of any time a new episode drops. But let's get deeper into your journey specifically and how your career in education has shaped your definition of joy. Has it, has your journey as an educator, as a nonprofit um, owner, has that shaped your definition of joy? It does. I mean, I truly believe that working with children is the most fulfilling profession mm -hmm. you can ever do. It is truly a reminder of, like I said, God's word of like why he calls us to have a childlike heart, why it's so important to be surrounded by that and what happens to your heart and to your spirit when you're not around it. I think that being a teacher has in many ways transformed the way I even look at this world because you're mm -hmm. able to work with youth where they haven't been influenced yet, right? Or they haven't had certain experiences yet to know that maybe they should fear this, right? Or not mm -hmm. think this way and you know, and so I think a lot of times, you know, I've, I've been privileged to work with as young as kindergarten all the way up when I ended my career in high school. And I would talk to people that, you know, who are like, I couldn't teach high school. I couldn't teach middle school. I couldn't teach whatever. But it's really, they have the audacity to challenge. Oh, right? like they just have. And I think people don't. You, you get to a point in your life where you're just like, no, it's just what it is. You know, like follow the rules and do this and that. And they are just to the point like, but why? It don't make sense. Like, why would you say that? Why would you do that? If you're not happy, why are you doing that? You know, mm -hmm. why are you making me do something that doesn't look like it makes you fulfilled? You know what I mean? So they just have the audacity to say, I don't have to do that if it doesn't make sense. And they really want to understand the why. And because of that, it's pushed me even when I was teaching that everything I did, I provided a why. And not because I felt as if I needed to, you know, verify my, my position in this classroom, but you deserve the why, right? Like who, who wants to feel forced to do anything? And you also, we co-create this space. And so I think a lot of times when I think about my career, even now with versions of books, I take that same mindset into doing community work and working with families. Like, I don't know the answers. And I actually, welcome challenges. I welcome you telling me that, you know, what well, people been saying this for years and it ain't worked. So I'm like, okay, well, let's do something different. You know, like, you know, when we think about issues in our community, when it comes to families, when it comes to education, many of those structures and systems are overdue for reform, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm never going to come here and just make you think something is the way it's supposed to be. And so the reason I'm, I'm going this roundabout is because then when you're able to feel as if you actually have space and power to share and have co-creation, joy is present because I'm able to bring myself into it, right? And so I think that a lot of times my, you know, being a teacher really influenced being a mother, um, put another aspect of the work <laughs> in my life. And then I think just being able to 
really, really, I think God put, you know, when you take those um, strength finder tests and mm-hmm. like, what's your or whatever, I've always looked at the world in a restorative lens. And, and that, even regardless of my career, like, you know, things about you change and grow, but that's always been an aspect that comes up. I just really don't look at things as if they're hopeless. They just can't happen. And, 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 and I know that's tied to my relationship with God as well, but I do believe that I purposely choose those spaces that people don't want to work in. Like I want to teach the kid. I want the kid that all of y'all saying is a disruption, put him in my class. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I want to open my building in Roseland, the neighborhood y'all all trying to leave. Like, no, that's where our headquarters is. Right. Like I'm going to go to those places because when I go there, I see the beauty. I see the possibility. And I just see that literally there is so much opportunity that we just have untapped. Mm. Oh, Jerima, that is so good. And it, multiple things that you just said were so impactful to me. One, children do have that audacity of challenge. And I think over the years, as we mature, right, Mm -hmm. we just begin to conform to, well, this is just what is expected of me. This is just the path I need to go. And when we conform, we then lose the ability to transform our circumstances and our environments because we don't challenge we yep. don't ask the why. We yep. just accept. So thank you so much. And you also spoke to um, the power of restoration mm. and the power of hope. And I think all of those things and having a childlike mind, all of those things are very defined, def- definitive of a child. Like they want to know, they want to build and create, take something a simple shape. I think of my godson. He's uh, he'll be six this month, or he'll be seven this month. Excuse me. And he'll take a box that I had just simply put in a corner, and he'll make a game out of it. Yeah. And it's that imagination that we need to continue to foster. And so I dare ask: Is it the same restoration, the same childlike mindset that spurs you to create bursting into books? It is because I really, when I thought, so it's so funny the way things work. So I have a mentor who, like, I'm really big about words and so in quotes. And she always says there are good ideas and then there's God ideas. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, I never was like, I'm going to run a nonprofit. I always said that I knew I was doing something outside the classroom because I knew that that just wasn't where I was supposed to start and end. And I wanted to do something that would be like a youth center or some kind of program. I knew it would be bigger than just my classroom, but I never was like, oh, and I'm going to be a nonprofit leader. I'm going to do that. And so really the idea of bursting to books, all those things came, yes, from teaching, from, you know, wanting to see restorative things in my community. And it, came from the identity of me being a mother because mm. myself and a group of mothers were actually at the park with our sons. Like my, my son has a friend group. They've been friends since they were two years old. And we literally keep them together. They go to different schools, but we always bring them together. And this one day we were at the park and the conversation was just about how we were just tired of always having to take them to things outside of our community. 
Like mm -hmm. literally every festival, if we had to, if we found a program, we're going to put them in the same camp. If it was a camp that we were looking for all these different aspects, we're going to Hyde Park or we're going to Lincoln Park. Are we going, we're like, why though? We all live in Auburn Gresham, Chatham, Inglewood. Like what is going on? Why? And it's not as if families don't want it because we are families in these communities. So it's not right. as if the program, it wouldn't be supported. But again, it came back to the point of, are people choosing to come into these spaces, right? And so because we're parents and we want our boys to have these opportunities, we're going to take them to wherever. But it should be something he could just go to his local library to do or to his yeah. local park to do. Why are we going all these different spaces? And in the conversation, a mother was like, man, what can we do? And someone said a book club. Now, the book club idea, for whatever reason, like sparked, you know, I said like this joy, like something in my spirit was like a book club. Huh. And we kept talking, we talked about ideas, but that just lingered in my head. And I went home and couldn't unshake it. Like I started thinking about like, whoa, what we could do a book club. Look at the book. And then I started thinking about, you know, well, what do I want to look like for my son and what I want to look like for my community? I'm like, well, we're not just gonna do a book club where we just pick a book of the month. Like it needs to be a book club that my son sees himself. Like he should see himself in what he's reading. Because mm -hmm. when I thought about all the different, different like story times and things we would do at the library, hit or miss, it'll be a book that has a black, black boy in it who really, or, or family structure that's urban from Chicago. It's like very real, seldom will he see himself or hear himself or see something that will attract him. He just loved to read his mama read. It wasn't like, mm -hmm. oh, but I see myself. I'm like, what if we had a book club that was specifically about them celebrating them right and them seeing themselves and and then then the idea is like man but what if we actually had them like meet authors because mm -hmm. i thought about as a teacher a lot of times teaching and what you give kids seems so far from them like you read about this scientist or you see this thing but it seems like am i ever going to be in the same room with that person or could mm -hmm. i do that thing like if they're not from my like could that even be something i aspire to be but what if you're reading books and each time you get together, you meet someone who's an author and they're literally telling you their journey. And you start realizing that every name on that book was has the same story and background. And it just took them having access and opportunity to now get it on the page. And then you start realizing, why don't I have my own book? If they write a book mm. and they're doing stuff like that, could be something I could do. And so that was something I'm like, man, I really want, and not only just authors of any color, just black authors, because I think it's important for them to not only see themselves in the book, but to see representation in the spaces that they live and where they go and know that there are not just one, two, three, four black authors in the world. No, there's authors everywhere, self-published, traditional, like all different types of folks writing about all different things. And so just that idea alone created something in me that allowed me to see like, wow, something that I've been longing to see in my world can actually be created through me. <laughs> and secondly, that it's going to be an opportunity for me to plant seeds in another generation that it will become their norm and not this like abnormal mm -hmm. thing. Like it's, no it's going to be normalized these types of events in their community and, and in their, their libraries. And, you know, it seems like a, a, a feat for me, but the, the the idea is that it will not be uncommon to have a festival in Roseland, right? It will be, mm -hmm. it won't be uncommon for you to say like, Oh yeah, I, I was in a class with an author, you know? And so that's been my goal. And then, you know, and I was still teaching at the same time. So that was also something that 
I'm like, okay, God, you know, as this is growing and growing, this is literally another job. <laughs> like, yeah. and teaching is a lot. And, but, but it was so a passion of mine that didn't feel like work. It didn't feel as if, you know, it, it really brought me joy. It, it brought fulfillment. Like, this is how all these times, I feel like God gives us these gifts and talents and, and they can be blessings in multiple spheres. And, and I had the opportunity to do it in a classroom. I've been able to do it, you know, in different areas. And now this is just a chapter of my life, which is burst into books. And so I don't know where else he's going to take it. If it's the, if this is the long gang or just my purpose for this time. But I feel as if he gave me an opportunity to use my education, my creativity, my love for family and community now all in one space. And it's been able to manifest as births into books. And again, it was not an idea that I came with. It was really a God idea. And just over time, it just continues to really have a life of his own because God is leading it. <laughs> oh. oh, that's so good. And I want to thank you for your obedience because I think it is my experience that there have been so many ideas that God will deposit, but that we will ignore out of fear of um, knowledge, out of lack of faith, out of lack of trust of not God. God, I trust you. I don't trust me with this. Um, so I want to thank you for your obedience to receive the vision. And you have literally run <laughs> with the vision. I want to talk about your transition from um, being in the classroom, being an educator advocate, to now making the transition to mm -hmm. being a full-time um, nonprofit owner, running an organization, staffing or staffing folks, staffing volunteers, and then community organizing. What was the shift and how has that transition been? So the shift was something that I feel like God was preparing me for. But again, it was the fear of like, what does this look like? Um, I'm to the core a planner, so I'm one of those people like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. But once this, this, this is together, then that means that's when I'm supposed to make the move. And and as we all know, the whole world got shook up 2019, 2020. So a lot of those plans, I started bursting the books in 2018, and even while I was still teaching and doing it, it was getting to the point right before the pandemic where they were conflicting. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't necessarily do all the things I wanted to because it was during school hours, but I'm teaching. So I'm like taking PTO or working late, you know, to get it done in the morning. And so already I got to a point where it was like, okay, how long can you do the dance of both? Right. Mm -hmm. And so then everything shut down. So then everything became virtual and my world became super simple because everyone's online. But whenever that started, you know, when we did the lockdown, it really, made everything pause and and also for me like what matters and then my time and what I'm doing for my time and since everything was virtual I was very it was easy for me to do both because everything's from the same space but then once we were coming to things starting to open back up I really was like I don't see how I can do both like I can't see myself fully going back into the classroom and then going back to after hours doing birth into books. Like it just isn't there anymore. And so I started having that conversation with the people in my life. My mother and my son were actually the two main people who pushed me to like take the jump. My mom was very clear by Jerima, God cannot fully give you new doors and you still got this other one open. Like you cannot 
say this is what you're going to do and you still got something open. You know, you can't fully like walk in faith with like half on the line, you know? Uh And so she just like, you just need to do it. You just need to, and, 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 you know, I'm blessed in the way that my mom's like, I'll help you, you know, if you need it or that. She's like, but you're not going to need it. You just got to take the the step. Mm -hmm. My son, um, when we were talking about like this childlike heart, my son in many ways, I believe God creates who we need in our lives like my son was created to be my son because we are so much alike yet different and different in a way that he really is the the epitome of like the audacity to be like well, I could do that I could do that you know and so what do you mean so I remember when I would just have, I would kind of talk about it and then my son legit was like all right my son you quitting butler right you you quitting teaching Right next year, you're not teaching no more. And I'm like, well, I ain't never say I was quitting. And he's like, well, you said you got to do something. Like, you can't do both. I mean, you got to choose. And then he would. I mean, I, that's what I said, but that's not what I meant. Like, I was just talking. I was just thinking, you know. But he legit was like, no, you, we're not going back. And to the point where, because I was trying to talk about it, even my friends and then my principal, he knew. Like, they, everyone saw like this is probably what you should be doing full time. It really took my son you know, and my mom, I feel like these are the two people that I feel as if my son, of course, is going to change our livelihood in some ways. And then my mom, I'm like, but if the people that's around me cool with it, what am I worried about? You know? And so the transition I made in 2021, I I sent my letter and I, in April of 2021, like I'm not coming back the next school year that I was, it was the sin that I was dreading. Yet the moment I hit sin, such a peace came over me. Mm. Like, we're doing this, like okay, we're doing this now. And and I, and I think that's the thing. Like when you really just go gun ho, like it has to work. It's it's just gonna have to work. Like and and God had not shown me anything from that point that it would not work. And in many ways, it was just like, man, I just want to see how much you really trust me. Like if you, I'm you know I'm I'm walking with you. So if we if we're gonna do this, are we gonna do it? You're gonna do it halfway. I'm ready to do it all the way. If you're ready to do it all the way. And so I made that transition. And Lily this year makes so I'm going into my third year. And um I don't regret it a day. Any day is it difficult? Yes, it has its challenges, but again, I just really feel blessed to be able to do work that I really believe I was created to do. I I and I didn't even know I had it in me. I think that's the thing as well, because when we are in these different positions, there's roles we play, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and I and this has been a really challenge of my character because to be honest, there have been times I have doubted my leadership in spaces because I'll look at, you know, when my idea of what a business owner looks like and does and how they operate. I'm like, well, I'm kind of like that. I'm I'm kind of I'm more laid back, you know, I'm just, you know, and I didn't go to school for business. And, you you know, I just think about all the things that would make mm-hmm. us unqualified for something. Yeah. And then what God ends up showing me is that I don't need you to, I qualify you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to bring you the people that you need to get it done. And he, every time, if it's something I don't know, that person comes in my life, there's alignment and work. He's like, you know, you ain't got the money. Don't I just need you to walk in faith? And then this grant come along. It's just like, okay, God, you know, what about doubt? And so it's like when things like that happen, it builds this audacity in me of like, I could do whatever. Yeah, I'm about to do a festival. What you mean? You know what I mean? 
No, I ain't got no money. Just tell, tell <laughs> me. We'll, we'll figure it's it out. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. And it does. And so I think that I know the transition for me was really, you know, God making very clear, like, this is this is where I'm moving you. It feels uncomfortable. It's outside of your normal plan. You don't, this was not a part of the plan, right? But this is a part of my plan. So trust that. And so now I'm fully doing births into books. And in that work, that's when I started my consultant work. Similarly, because I felt as if once I started the work, I didn't find anyone who could help me in the journey. Like I just was mm-hmm. piecing stuff together. I would talk to this person and they, I watched this workshop or I'll do this training. And I was like, man, we just really need people who are vested in just like helping us grow. Cause I think that definitely in like the black community, there's just this fear of, you know, competition, you yeah. know, just this fear of, I got it. If I tell you, I'm going to lose it. I just really, have been shown through these years that what's for me is for me. You can't take nothing from me that's for me. So me giving you the recipe, me teaching you, me connecting you does not take away what God is going to provide. If anything, he increases. He he blesses that I am willing to be blessing to other people. And so that is really what's happened. Like people Mm -hmm. are like, how did you get in this program? How you like literally it's just loving people and just and and not walking in fear like i don't fear you taking something from me there is nothing you could take from me the same way there's nothing i can take from you what you're supposed to do what you're supposed to have the impact you're supposed to make if you are walking in it you're going to do that no one can distract that right nothing like the word says if god is for me who could be against me i don't care if this person has the exact same program as burst into books burst into books is going to do what it's supposed to do and that organization is going to do what they're supposed to do and probably at some point we're going to be in partnership together working together you know what i mean like i don't look at it as competition because there is no competition when you're trying to meet the needs and heal communities like what what are we competing for what am, what am i going to get out of my name being on the flyer great I, I ran it, whatever, who cares? Did the people get healed? Did the people learn? Did this child feel empowered? Does this mom and dad have what they need now? If not, we're, the, the the job of nonprofit work is to work yourself out of a job in the first place. Like I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to be around forever because if I'm around forever, that means that the inequities are still present, right? So if I'm saying I'm trying to change this space, hopefully there gets to a point where my work is not needed. And I can be needed in another space. And so I feel like the transformation of me going from one job to this now, I feel like my purpose work really transformed who I am as a person. Because even the way that I speak and act now, I didn't have the boldness and the conviction that I had. I think I had in a different space because people say I did have it in teaching, but I feel as if really God in this realm has given me room to just fully be myself, you know, because I'm not worried if i'm gonna be hired next yet next year yeah yeah yeah. like like, you know i control the how far how small i go not necessarily if i get selected for the role or not you know i am crying oh actually you better stop that (laughs) for multiple reasons one you Mm -hmm. have spoken to so many new entrepreneurs as you know this podcast started God gave me a vision and a plan and I have been working it 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and God has get granted abundance and abundance. And every time somebody says yes, I am like, Lord, that was you. Thank you. Thank you for answering a prayer. But you also have spoken to the importance of, of faith, um, but also operating in your gift and in your talent, just believing if I keep focused on what God has charged my hand to do, then I'm not just helping myself. I'm helping, and you spoke to this earlier, not only your son, but the next generation of sons to come behind to make not just your community, but the world better. Because we know when we grant people the ability to read and they fall in love with imagination, the chains on our brains just begin to break and we can truly explore and do all the things that God has called us to do. So you are your your message and your your life's journey is so inspiring to those of us coming behind you going, okay, okay, she didn't give up. All right, okay, let me just keep my head down. Don't look up because if you look up, you might get scared. Just keep your head down and stay focused. So thank you. And so truly, I needed to hear that um, on those hard days, I'm like, Lord, now you, I could stop this. Thank you for the conviction uh, that the work is worth it. Um, Personally, I just want to thank you. And on behalf of all the little black and brown babies that you're blessing with the love of reading, (laughs) I want to thank you as well. I want to talk about, and you spoke to it on those difficult days, running a nonprofit specifically chartered and catered to African-American children and communities can be draining, I imagine, um, seeking funding and seeking support. How do you maintain your your faith and your your strength even on those difficult days? I, it really, back to what you just said, um, like the chains on our minds, I think that it it is so important what you feed yourself, what mm. you listen to, who you are around. I get refreshed and I get encouraged because the tribe of people God has put around me is just amazing. And I mean, from all different walks of life and all different sectors, like my family, in in many cases, like my mother, my immediate family, my brothers, my sisters, like my best friends who are like my sisters. And I mean, just having those listening ears and people that I'm like, okay, these core people know me they understand my heart they know who I am and they're going to hold me accountable they're going to listen but they're also going to you know put me back in check if I'm just doing too much like okay I know you're emotional right now Jareem I get Mm -hmm. it but we're not going to stay in this space you know um so I think just that has been super helpful for me um also just having other people I think you need a tribe of people who are also in the journey, right? You know, they talk about the importance of being a mentor to a mentee, having peers and colleagues, and then having a mentor yourself. And so that has been very important to me as well. Like doing this work, having someone that I'm also like pouring into has been extremely important because 
you don't get these gifts for yourself. And in turn, me having a conversation with somebody else, I'm they're asking me a question, they're asking me advice. I'm in turn speaking to myself. It's something that I need to be reminded of, right? It's something that I need to consider. Like that was something I used to do. I need to go back to, right? And so having that kind of conversation has helped me having my peers that I that are also starting nonprofits who are, you know, working in this work has been extremely helpful. I have a weekly call that I have with one of my friends that we legit don't never even have an agenda, but we just know life be life. And hey. <laughs> so I just need to know that at 11 o'clock, whether we zoom in in person, we meet up, we on the phone, anything like it could be from a grant she's trying to figure out from you know how do you you know how do you balance your sleep you know from you know whatever the case may be just having someone who understands because they're also in that work has been very helpful and then having people that I could just sit at their feet like there are just people that I just talk call and I just listen because I trust them and they're their fruits show them to be proven as someone that I should listen to. And, and just having that has been extremely, extremely helpful. And then when I don't maybe have access to those things, I, I love reading. I love podcasts. They're just like certain podcasts that I listen to because I'm one of those people that you can learn something in any conversation. So even watching people talk, like I've just got introduced to this podcast called The Shop. And okay. it's a podcast by LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, on HBO. Mm-hmm. So my brother actually told me about it. And so, you know, you watch one episode and it goes to the next. And they're literally just talking about just random topics. But it's in those conversations, having the like, like-minded people like that in a space, they're going to be just gems that they share. That's not necessarily like I'm doing a lecture, or, or but it's just like their conversation. And so it's just a reminder to me, one, to like listen to that and, and this things that I take away from it. But it also reminds me like, why is it so important that my circle is a reflection of what I want to be and what I want to do? Because the the parts where I maybe feel like I am not the best in, then who in my circle is that encouragement or that accountability or who can push me and who am I that for? And so that has been helpful as well, you know, just not just listen to any kind of music, any kind of conversations. I, I very rarely engage in things that are going to take away the outlook that I'm trying to look into the world, right? And I Ooh. think that we can't we can't doubt that things are just terrible. There are just like systematic things in this world that are horrific that need to change. There are life issues, there's sickness, there's I mean you can imagine this work. I see the beauty and the the horrible side of it all the time, right? right? And and so I can't not act like that reality is not true. But I also can't do what God intended me to do if I'm always just harping on that part of the work as well. Mm-hmm. So you got to have that healthy balance and you got to be able to have opportunities to retreat from the work as well. Yeah. You got to retreat because- Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I feel like this is a season actually to be transparent that God is having me rest and do a lot of introspection. Like I've been doing therapy for the last year. And um, even at Versus to Books, I've kind of slowed down some programming, just really doing some time to reflect on, you know, how I want to move forward in the work. 
And you need those times because you Absolutely. can't build and repair at the same time. Like, Absolutely. When are you going to repair to even come out stronger? Like that's mm-hmm. when your body, you know, that's why even when we work out, you got to have rest days. I feel like yeah. in this work, you got to have rest weeks, sometimes rest months, you know, because it allows you to look at the work without feeling like you have to produce. Like just look at the work for what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And see where you can make those adjustments that's needed. And then the things that are really working, like keep that. But then you can have time to actually learn and grow whatever you need to repair that, mm-hmm. that isn't working. So I yeah. hope I answered No, you perfected the question. In August, I took a sabbatical from the podcast and from my full time job as well, because I felt the call to rest. Mm -hmm. I felt the call of you are not meant to just be a producer of content, even though my intent is to bless with the content. I needed to rest to make sure that my calling that has now become my passion and my, my job, right. To make sure that I am not just doing it, but that there is power behind it. And I can't regain that power. If I'm not tapping into my source, Mm -hmm. if I'm just running on muscle memory, I am not strengthening my body. I'm not strengthening my mind and my spirit to actually make an impact. And so Mm -hmm. I encourage everyone to, Take a rest. And that rest looks different, Dreamer. As you mentioned, that rest will look different for every person. For me, it was two weeks out of the country. For the first time, I took a solo trip. And that was a, can I do this? Will I be safe? If I believe God's got me, then he got me everywhere I go. Whether Mm -hmm. it's within this state, within this city, or outside of the country. But that also rest can just look like sitting in your bedroom with the lights off, shades down, and allowing your brain to really dream. Yeah. And it also speaks to something you said earlier about coming from a place of abundance in this. Yes, we may be doing the separate same thing different ways, but there's really no true competition because what God has called me to do, what God has called you to do, if we're both doing it, then the world will be made the better. Yeah. And so not coming from a scarcity mindset. Well, if I don't do this, if I don't go, if I relax, breathe, think, and then go. Um, And so that is what this season has taught me. And so I want to thank you for encouraging others to take a season of rest, of respite, and check in with yourself. (laughs) Check in with your community, check in with your village to make sure everybody is well. Y'all, we can't hold Jarima all day, but I have to, have to, have to point. Uh, We got to talk about this latest achievement. I told y'all my good sis is changing the world. And President Obama recently announced his first cohort of 100 emerging change makers selected to participate in the Obama Foundation's Leaders USA program. It is a six-month leadership development program designed to inspire, empower, and connect emerging leaders nationwide. And so, Jarima, you are a part of this first cohort. How did that feel? How does it feel? Um, <laughs> if you can speak to it at all. Yeah, I can speak to it. It's One is, I mean, it's, it's an honor, right? Because... 
I think it was a program that I was introduced to by a friend. And even when I heard about the applications, you know, you do something like, am I going to get this? You know, I mean, I don't, again, it goes back to where I said, like, I didn't necessarily always see myself in these spaces and not because I don't think that I could do it. I just think it's again, something that I have to, something out of my character that God is working on. Like, you know, I qualify you. I Mm. qualify you. Right. Like if, if it's supposed to be a part of your journey, it's going to happen. And so I applied and, and, you know, it was like all these different rounds for it. So you apply and then there's an interview process. It's like you apply and then either you get a notice or you get an interview. So then I got an interview. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so then I talked to the people and they interviewed me. And after that, I'm like, I think that went well. I don't know, though, you know, and they'll, they'll let us know later. And so once I was selected, I was really just like, wow, God, you know, you just continue to amaze me because this is just a space that I've you know if you're from Chicago mm-hmm. the Obamas are you know like man those are my cousins you know just to <laughs> know that they was in Hyde Park and you know Barack and just who they are and just what they've done and whether you know regardless of your politics and your beliefs just understanding like the spaces they've transformed is just really really amazing and so even when I knew the Obama Foundation was coming to Chicago and they're going to build this center, I've always said I wanted my work to be connected some way to it just because I just feel like it just deserves to be. The communities that we are serving have, a, they need a right to be in those spaces, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I get selected, I'm honored because again, it was a hundred people and I, you know, have started now to meet more of those individuals and then you just like in the room like wow i'm in here with people who are doing all kind of stuff around the world and it allows you to see like but god sees me right mm-hmm. like and people see me you know and oh. and when you do the work just for doing the work like god creates those spaces like he creates the seats for you right you know there are people in here who have done stuff from all, I mean, cause it's a combination of leaders in both urban and rural spaces. So then I'm able to see what work in Oklahoma is looking like, what work in Idaho, what work in Selma, Alabama, what work in Louisiana. I mean, all these spaces. And it's just beautiful to see how, you know, the work you're doing is a very like global thing. And then also that the work that I'm doing, God is like, man, this is, a part of the journey right this is a part of I don't know what this will you know next you know just being a part of this cohort of course we have a summit next month and we're gonna be with the Obamas and even that blows my mind like I'm about to just get the summit and Barack gonna be just sit here you know (laughs) this is pretty dope you know um and in everything, what I really get excited about is that the exposure that God allows me to have exposes the spaces that I work in and it allows mm-hmm. them to get the 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 recognition and the eyes on them that they need, right? And so I believe if this is just another opportunity for me to bring something to Roseland, bring something to Arvin Gresham, bring something to Inglewood, then... I'm for it because at the end of the day, it's about the people that I'm serving. And if this just allows me to get access to more things, then we're all going to be better for it. So I'm honored. I look forward to the journey. We're about halfway through. Um, But it has been, it's been really beautiful. It's been a really great, great experience thus far. 
Oh, so excited. So excited. <laughs> so proud of you. So Thank godly you. proud of you. So the final phase of the final section of the interview is your journey ahead. Mm-hmm. And as a creative, as a visionary, I can only imagine your dreams for the future. So would you dare share your hopes, your dreams, your prayers for where you, your business, your family, however you want to answer it, will be in five years? In five years, um, personally, I want to be in a space where, well, I would say that I've hit some goals that I've been wanting to hit. So one of those goals is to have my PhD. All right. Working on that. So my goal is I'll be Dr. Gorham by then. I'm on. Also, in five years, I would desire for not only the building that we have in Roseland to be fully open, but that we bought other properties in the neighborhood and that we're able to really create this whole like ecosystem that's for the community. And so that we're able to provide programming, but also provide jobs and we're able to really continue to create a space for kids. We started a writing lab last year. My ultimate goal is that we create a publishing company because I would love for us to have a space where there's such a low number of African-American, Black-focused books out here that we have a hub for those stories to be published and put out in the world. And so that is my goal. That's even why I wanted to do the festival. So we're able to highlight these authors and the work they're doing. But I would also like for us to have the infrastructure to create for the youth to become authors and works to get out there. So that's something that I hope will be fully work, working in five years. Um, I pray to be the healthiest I've ever been. I pray to be able to really see my son at that time. He will be 17 Ooh. In five years. So he will be a junior, senior in high school. I pray that he's at a space where he is fully walking into who God's created him to be. I be- it's it's really, it's really an honor to see not only my journey, but like the journey of those around me. And so like the teenage version of my son, I'm actually excited to see because you're able to just see like who they're on their own walking journey. And as parents, I believe it's our our duty, right? To mm-hmm. love and guide and correct and discipline and all that. But just like we as adults, all of that was leading us to become who God wanted us to be in that. Yeah. Like, and, and so I just, I really want to see what that looks like for him. Um, I, It's been cool to see him starting to find his likes and dislikes and his personality coming out more and, him questioning the world a little bit more and um yeah i'm just looking forward to seeing what that leads and what that you know next phase for our family will look like and and last but not least i i hope in five years that i'm in a space where i don't know i I really want to be in a space where because and I think maybe it's because of the fact i just was working on a grant last night i want to be in a space financially that I can financially pour into businesses and people as well, because I think that we find ourselves sometimes having to like customize our work to get funding or X, Y, and Z. But I just think that we need more of us to have access to that capital. That is like, I, I understand this journey and walk and you just need this money to get started. You don't even have enough 
evidence yet to show that you know what you know, but you need someone who is willing to just like invest in your idea mm-hmm. and your dream and, and be the guy for you. So I not only want to be able to help nonprofits with the structure and planning of it, but also to be able to like help financially in a way that they're able to not have to compromise who they are to get the funding and capital to build the thing that they have. Because many of us are like the first generation of whatever we're doing, right? We're the first owners. We're the first doing this thing. So we don't have a blueprint and don't necessarily have the savings to just like put in something and not know if it'll work or not. And so that would be my hope as well, that in five years, I'm in a position to be able to be a financial blessing to others as well. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it all. And thank you so much for your work. Um, And I just believe it all for you because what God has already done has blown Mm -hmm. our minds. And so what is to to be ahead for you and for the community because we know your heart is rooted in him and your desire to serve and make a difference. I just believe it all. Mm. Why? Why not? I just believe it all. Thank you. And I cannot get off without saying something to you, Ashley. It has been a joy to watch you as well. And I know that, like you said, our journey first started with us in high school, you know, mm-hmm. and just seeing where God has been able to take both of us. I remember still even when you did that women's retreat and that, that day and I came out to it and just, you know, just seeing how you are so big about like empowering, creating spaces for us to be better. Like when you do the hundred days and when you're doing now this podcast, I just truly believe that whatever, again, that God has put on your heart, he's going to continue to bless. And it's an encouragement, like, you know, just to see, relationship with you and your mom, like all these things that you post. I think sometimes we post and we do things that we don't know. Sometimes we're not doing it for others to see. It's really just for ourselves to document. But I do want you to know that it is an encouragement and it is a, it's just like sometimes the thing we need to see in the middle of a day that maybe was not going the best way, you know, but to see your smile or to see a post that you make or to see like you really going after the things that God puts on your heart has been encouragement in my life. So I just want to share that. And mm-hmm. I'm glad we had this time to talk and I'm just looking forward to whatever this is even supposed to grow to be. Yes, um, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm for it. I'm for it. Absolutely. <laughs> I will not post some pictures from our high school days. I will not do that. <laughs> I will not do that. <laughs> But before I let you go, how can someone get in touch with you if they want to be a blessing to burst into books, if they want to find out more about your strategic um, and coaching services, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, I am all things burst into books. I, if you go to www.burstintobooks.org, you will learn more about our organization, all of the work, the programs. There is a donate at the top if you would like to be a financial blessing. If you just want to learn more about our work, all of our contact info is there. Also on social media, we are Burst Into Books Everything. So on Instagram, Facebook, I'm always looking for ways that we can not only support other people's work. So if you read about us and see the work that we're doing and you see alignment you can always email me dm me and any of those platforms that we can connect or if you feel as if like hey this is something that you really want to see happen in your community and you want to see how you can start it up i do have my for-profit side which is jerima gorham llc where i am 
supporting nonprofit leaders from startup up to like five, seven years. If you need help with just like the idea phase all the way up to we've been around, but we're still trying to get our structure and things together. Um, you can visit jeremagoram.com and that is where you will see all of the services and um, upcoming workshops and things like that that I'll be doing. And you can just join the mailing list on both websites. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Y'all, it has been a complete joy and pleasure. So please comment wherever you can comment your favorite takeaway from this video. And until we meet again every single Thursday, may God increase your joy, grant you strength for the journey, and give you the courage to tell your story. Bye, friends. Bye.